in there trying to get him to do anything other than mm-hmm. go on, stay on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And anything is like that's oh. just not happening some days. Well, that makes me feel a lot better because I thought it was just us. April 7th. I think among other things we're going to talk about the f- the glaring story that testing for some reason is going down in Ontario. In Ontario. And we s- continue to stand out as Yeah. Let's just talk about that because it is the Toronto Star calls it mystifying <laughs> that although everybody knows that testing and tracing cases is the key to is one of the keys to containing an outbreak yeah. after social distancing. Mm-hmm. And Ontario has been talking about since the beginning about increasing their testing capacity to 20,000 a day. Mm-hmm. And according to the Toronto Star, they have the capacity to test 13,000. They bragged about that yeah. in, the, in the conference. 13,000 tests a day. Mm-hmm. And drumroll, please, how many completed tests were announced today? Out of a possible 13,000? Mm-hmm. 2,500. Yeah. We are dead last in per capita testing in Canada. So David Williams was on Metro Morning this morning, and I listened to most of that interview, and he was asked about it. And he kind of said, well, it's not really fair. You know, he kept dropping back to the, yeah, but we're also the most populated, and so we actually do Does the most tests. Does he know tests. what per capita means? Yeah, he knows it. He just says that sometimes that's not the best measure because if you have, if you, uh, it's it's maybe not fair to measure... I don't know. Maybe he's right, but it feels like it is the most fair way to measure it. But yeah. he seems to say there's that's not the best. That's not always the best way to measure. I things. understand that. I understand that it doesn't make sense to talk about infections per capita, mm. but I think it does make sense to talk about testing per capita because you have to be casting <coughs> your net <coughs> into your general population. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, it is alarming and there doesn't seem to be a good explanation the explanation that just seems to get said is that when we had our testing backlog we really tightened up the criteria of who was going to get tested to kind of ration the tests and now that we don't have a backlog anymore and we can do these 13,000 tests a day nobody has bothered to change the guidance on testing yeah And so the numbers just go down, 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 down. And people are being advised to stay. If you have mild symptoms, just stay home. People aren't even going to the assessment centers anymore. Yeah. Like I think telehealth was basically telling people that we can't, we're not going to test you. And like for a long time, they were telling people based on that guidance. So there really is no point to going to get to assessment centers. So it's just, we just have this. We're just not testing. The number, yeah. So any testing of the is numbers, only for hospitals. Th- it's it's n- yeah for hospitals, and then I guess to confirm there's an outbreak at a long-term care center, they'll do like the first three, three people. Three tests. They'll do three tests, but then they won't even count. Like yeah, like why not at not least just do everybody there? Yeah, we're not counting the deaths. Uh, I my assumption is we're we're like the death count at least should be a good 
estimate of what's really mm-hmm. happening. But even that, if they're not doing these not these nursing homes, then that even isn't right. Like they don't ha- they don't actually know how many people. So we were flying blind, and then somehow we've gotten even. We put more drapes in front of our eyes. <laughs> so they know. said. So I think in the call in the press conference today, Christine Elliott did talk like she was asked the question the media asked the question like why are we Mm -hmm. not why are we on such low capacity and she didn't give a good answer but it did sound like i think my bet is their my prediction is that tomorrow they're going to announce a change to the protocol and we're going to see it start to go up but why the heck did it take my i mean i'm Let guessing me count how many dots have gone down here yeah. one two three four so five six days of declining tests happening yeah but how long were they clearing six. the backlog for so the back so <coughs> the third see the first real low number is the third which is the friday so you wouldn't have really seen that like they until Saturday, right? So they wouldn't have had the third day, day point, the April third point for on the weekend. I suspect part of the issue here is actually that this happened over the weekend, and people were not doing their um, their war tables, their war whatever the big the big meetings weren't happening, right? And so everyone sure. was sort of going to sit down and talk again on Monday. It's now Tuesday. They're scrambling to figure out what to yeah. do i think what and are they doing i think on monday they probably said we got to do something and then today they're still working on exactly what tomorrow they'll announce what all the right is. well i don't think we're very good at guessing what they're thinking i'm great so. at guessing <laughs> i just it's not good great at being right i can guess anyways it's just mystifying i will just use the toronto stars word yeah it's just and every like everyone on twitter like david bob bell like everyone is like what yeah that's that is strange like they should really and i just on was it on this podcast where you were like maybe they just didn't change the guidance for who got tested Mm. and i was like no that's (laughs) ridiculous and that seems like the only explanation that is being put forth that just seems so crazy to me your friend david uh what's his name on Twitter, Bisman. He seems to keep hinting pretty overtly. He's yeah, a I know. good epidemiologist. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He keeps hinting that there's a, there's some corrupt or, I don't know, some reason behind this that's going to come out in the news eventually. And he keeps kind of prodding. No, not rep- behind this. No, he said about why Ontario is only counting confirmed cases and not suspected. Yeah, that was a few days ago. But like yesterday, he said something about, like someone was asking about this graph and why Mm. are we still the lowest? And he said, there is a reason it will out. Something like that. Okay, well, we will wait. Like someone, he keeps saying someone, it's someone is making it this way. Tillich will keep trying to guess what the story is. I can do that. And the rest of us will just wait. I'm willing to do that. (sighs) All right. I just have a list of topics here that I don't really want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, I just don't want. Oh, here's one I would like to talk about. Uh Okay. Plasma donations. Yeah. So one of the ways, one of the experimental ways to treat patients with COVID-19 is to take 
blood plasma from somebody who has already been infected with COVID-19 and has cleared the virus Mm -hmm. and is no longer infected. You take their blood plasma and you put it into somebody that is fighting Mm COVID-19. And then what's in the blood plasma is antibodies. Mm -hmm. It may be other kinds of factors. I don't know. But the main thing here is antibodies, probably. Mm -hmm. And so that just gives the person fighting COVID-19 a little bit more ammunition from somebody who's already beat it. And so um, a lot of people are talking about doing this. And I was reading in the Globe and Mail today that Canada is beginning a huge clinical trial. Mm. Like basically every hospital in the country that has COVID-19 patients is like banding together and doing a... um, a controlled clinical study. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have two thirds of the patients get plasma right. and one third not just standard of care mm-hmm. and see what happens. So hmm. I think they did a small study in China and um, they were talking about this too on Radio Lab. I was listening to and apparently. Like this is a super old technique. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they've literally people have literally been doing it for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. but it just kind of since vaccines were more prevalent, people have kind of stopped doing it because mm. we have vaccines, we don't have to. Right. So just to see if this works. Um, the only, the main problem with this clinical trial and most of these trials that are happening mm-hmm. is that. The people they're testing and they're giving this plasma to are usually in the hospital, mm. which means you're pretty sick. And the theory of how this works, that you're just giving somebody antibodies and they only get however many antibodies are in the plasma that doesn't allow their body to make any more. Mm. It works better the earlier in the disease you get it. Mm. So if the whole testing sample are already in hospital and are already really sick. Hmm. Might not quite be. You might see more effect if you do like high risk people who are not in hospital yet. Right. Would it is th- would this be similar to where so this is the thing where it would wear out over some time. Probably yeah. it would break like your body would break down whatever yeah. if it's antibodies it's going to break it down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't give you lasting yeah. immunity. Yeah, but temporarily protect vulnerable people. Yeah. Right. So that'll be really interesting to see what comes out of that anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can talk about um, the... So I wrote down trust because it's the... This is the... With the change... Th- there's been a lot of change in kind of the guidance that we get from Dr. Tam and I guess coming down from her in, in the province and the city and everything about mask wearing, about, um, what was the other thing they kind of changed on? Uh, oh, like even way back, like closing borders and things like that. Like there's, there's, a, there's a couple of articles on, on how I think we've talked about it a little bit before. It's easy to lose trust in our, in in uh, 
the people leading this fight and and so people they should be careful i think is the main the main thesis of this article as as article this is a globe and mail article um the title is Tams About Face on Masks Damages Trust at a Crucial Time, Robin Urbach. So it's really just that, um, but she uses the example of this isn't the only thing that, that they've said, that they've sort of had to backtrack on. So it's, it's like this, the idea is that there's a good reason and there's a real reason that you don't, that you tell, like trying to explain to the public, you sometimes don't give the real reason, you give what you think will be the reason that will convince most people to do something. But if if it's actually not true, you can shoot yourself in the foot. I think sort of like what's happened here, even David um, Williams on the Metro Morning today was trying to talk around this, like everyone's trying to save face, right? Their egos are desperately, they're trying to desperately guard their egos here yes what we said before was true what we're saying now is also true we don't want you to wear masks it doesn't protect you the wearer it protects everyone around you so now we think you should wear a mask to protect other people there was no about face i'm just mask people just oh you don't i get so riled (laughs) like it's not some big conspiracy theory it's not it's a conspiracy. Like people just change their mind about how they saw the risks and benefits. And new evidence came out. Robin Urbach herself mm-hmm. on Twitter was like, oh, Teresa Tam, we had this evidence one week ago and you're just doing it now. Like one week since new evidence. And her quote in this article that she quotes Tam, her about face uh-huh. is not even about face. So the first quote is, Putting a mask on an asymptomatic person is not beneficial, obviously, if you're not infected, she said. If you're not infected. Mm -hmm. That still stands. Of course. The reason that they're suggesting masses of people are asymptomatically infected. I still... Okay. The the line they're going with right now is a mask only protects the other people, right? Yeah. That is not true. That's not true. If you put a barrier, I don't care which way the germs are going, you're going to stop germs. It's going to make it harder for germs to go in or out. And they're tr- I think this is another twist that they're putting in there to try to save what they, you know, to make it logically consistent with what people said before, which is that you don't need to wear masks. Only healthcare workers should wear masks. Healthcare workers wear the same surg- like wear surgical masks to protect themselves. With face shields and other not equipment. Only, not always. Our, Listen, our nurse that I comes here and watches... I don't think that the evidence shows that surgical masks make a difference. I don't know if the evidence shows it or yeah, not. Right. So they're using evidence. But in the, in, the, in the lack of evidence, you still can drop back to theory, which is if you have a barrier, you're going to reduce the flow of germs in, an, in or out. Well, maybe we should look at the actual, before we just like make all these assumptions, people are doing a lot of research on this. Like yeah. there's like articles coming out on this, like on a weekly basis. 
Yep. It's, it's not all theory. It doesn't have to be theory, but I just, it's, it's, even if there was no whatever level of, you Listen, know. Listen, the virus goes right through those surgical masks, okay? So if you're a wearer and you sneeze, mm-hmm. it can like catch some droplets and like stop the virus from maybe going as far as it would have traveled and what about otherwise. But what about viral load? You're obviously going to sl- you're going to reduce the amount of virus that gets through. No. That's not what that's not how I understood the most recent study. The virus goes through the mask. Like it can go through the but just think about it. If you have any kind of screen, I don't care how big the holes are, and you put anything on one <sighs> side of it, you're this go- is going to be the most boring episode we've done. <laughs> just no, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. If you put any kind of barrier, just think I'm about asking. I'm not saying what makes sense to you. I'm saying what, <laughs> <laughs> what does the actual data show? I'm not, I don't know, but it's, right. it, people put up like, like you can have a chain link fence outside and it will stop some of the snow from going through it even though the snow is way smaller. It it will there will be a tendency for things to not go through any barrier as no matter how porous it is. Some proportion of What I'm saying is if you're wearing the mask mm-hmm. and you sneeze, it can stop the virus from going as far as it otherwise would have. Sure. Right. Okay. It's I'll still accept. getting through the mask, but it's probably doing something. Right. People yeah. have shown it's that it's doing something. It's got to do something. But if you're wearing a mask and somebody just sneezes in your face, mm-hmm. the virus can go right through and like you're right there behind the mask. Like it's not the fact that it kind of doesn't allow it to go as far isn't going to be as beneficial to you as the mask wearer perhaps perhaps i'm yeah sure i don't know. my point my i think my only point here is that that if you i think they've definitely changed so whether you want to call it an about face or not they were saying don't bother wearing masks now they're saying yeah wear masks it's confusing for the public. They said, we don't want to close borders to other countries. And then they went and closed borders. They, like, there's, I think, I think it's just, it's just, uh, every time that happens, you I lose a little bit more trust in anything they say going forward because I don't know if what they're saying is just to convince me or if it's actually the reason that they're saying. Is it a real reason or is it a good reason? It's an evolving situation. Yeah. So you can look like for masks, the evidence was coming out more and more and more and more. The evidence of asymptomatic spread was coming out more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Like these things were changing and evolving and I think it's absolutely necessary that we're able to make Mm -hmm. these changes Mm -hmm. going forward same as social distancing Mm -hmm. that message was getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as things evolved like yeah you wouldn't be like 
oh, they shouldn't have told us to stop gathering because yeah. like things are just changing. It's yeah. a crazy situation. Yeah. And that bothers me way less than the testing well, situation. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening with testing like is that loses my trust. Like where for sure. what are you doing? For sure. Anyways, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, other things I don't want to talk about. <laughs> the realities of race in who's getting hit in this pandemic. So um, a friend today put up a pe- petition on Facebook that Canada should start releasing desegregated data so that we can see how infected people and people succumbing to COVID-19 break down by, I don't know, race and other ways to break down a population. Because in the States, Mm -hmm. they're starting to release this data and it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, let's see, who is this? Anne Hannah Jones, I forget her name, Nicole, I think. She writes, she's an investigative journalist for the New York Times, and she just did a Twitter thread on this where she's collecting some of these stats. So in Chicago, where 30% of the population is black, uh-huh. 70% of those who have died from COVID-19 are ba- black. In Michigan, where black people are 14% of the population, 35% of confirmed COVID-19 cases are in black people and 40% of the deaths. Uh-huh. In Milwaukee, 81% of coronavirus deaths are from the black community who only make up 26% of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, so what she says, well, she says a lot, but just to kind of soundbite it, COVID-19 attacks groups who are most vulnerable, and in America, no one is more vulnerable than poor black people and poor native people. Mm -hmm. A host of issues ensure black people would contract and die from coronavirus at the highest rates, including housing, employment, and health. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also makes the point that when COVID-19 first hit, people call it the great equalizer, especially with so many, like, famous people and heads of state and whatnot being tested for it and getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's not true when you look at the data. So that those numbers have been coming out over the last few days mm-hmm. and kind of the fear over that has been building yeah. Is it because of just the types of jobs? Has anyone talked about what the source of the difference is? Like people are well more service jobs or yeah. kind of. And they're and people and lower income neighborhoods tend to be more racialized and they live closer together and have less access mm-hmm. to health care. And it's just systemic issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I didn't want to talk about 
was hydroxychloroquine, mm. which is the malaria drug that is an experimental treatment for COVID-19, but that Trump seems to think is some kind of miracle drug mm. that will save everybody. And so he just keeps mentioning it at his um, whatever, his pressers that he does every day at five o'clock mm -hmm. and basically encourages Americans to just go ahead and try it because what do you got to lose? Mm -hmm. And I think at least a couple of people have died from it. Well, what I don't understand is it sounds like people are going and buying like some sort of aquarium cleaning chemical and eating that. Yeah. ingesting that but what I is is that actually that. hydroxychloroquine or is that some know. is that some sort of like sound alike name like hydroxychlorine and they're like no idea because it sounds either could be true <laughs> yeah i don't know but the real problem here mm. that i see i mean if you want to risk your life and take a drug that the president of the United States told you to take. I mean, I guess that's up to you. But the more innocent victims here are people with autoimmune diseases like lupus, for which hydrochloroquine is actually a proven mm -hmm. drug mm -hmm. that does things and people rely on this medication and now they're having trouble getting it. Mm -hmm. And some insurance companies, like I think it was Kaiser Permanente or something, like just stopped filling prescriptions mm -hmm. for people with lupus. They're just like stockpiling it mm -hmm. just in case mm -hmm. it works. I don't even think they're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it's just uh, an unbelievable mess. Mm -hmm. And it the whole thing is like based on a, a, a study with like six people in it from France. Mm -hmm. It's like promising. It's one of the drugs being studied among many. Mm -hmm. And everybody's saying that somehow Trump must have a financial interest in this. I don't know. Yeah. I think people have been doing some digging, but I don't know enough to say. I think Dr. Oz is uh, oh. doing a big thing on that now. Apparently, everyone's saying, yeah, he must own something. Well, there was, there's an article in The Atlantic that I was just kind of reading that came out yesterday. Why does the president keep pushing a malaria drug? Uh -huh. And... It kind of has the story out as in Dr. Oz was kind of the one who popularized this to begin with. Oh. Because, I, I mean, if you think about it, it was just a small six-person study out Why of France. Why does anybody know about this? Why does the president know about it at all? Yeah. Um, and so the way The Atlantic tells it, Dr. Oz found the study and was he's like talking it up. He's a terrible human being. Yes. He's like brought he's been brought up in front of like Congress, I think, and like rebuked for selling like going on a show saying he's you know, being a doctor, going out and having this show and talking about products that that don't work that he profits from when they sell more. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps he just keeps doing stuff like this. It's that guy. I don't know. At one time, I feel like maybe he was like a good doctor, like he was like doing good things. But what happened to that guy? I don't know. Anyways, so I did it. Those are the two things that I didn't want to talk about. <laughs> I talked about them. Great. 
I mean, it's important. The other uh, controversial treatment that the whole 5G community is excited about is is uh, vitamin C. High dose vitamin C apparently is another. T- is another okay, but let's just clarify in case people don't listen to every episode that the 5G community Which? is a group of conspiracy theorists. Yep who believe that there is no virus causing COVID-19, but instead it's towers yeah. that broadcast 5G signal for cell phones. Well, now I'm getting a little lost because I think some people are saying it is now virus. It's like virus is something that your body creates, but you do get sick and you can treat it. With so this like this, like the cellular signals from 5G technology, screw up your system, your cells excrete virus as like a talk as an anti-toxification process. And but then that does make you sick, but you can make yourself better by taking high dose vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's being pushed pretty hard out there in the crazies in the world crazy people and I'm starting to feel like I my I was trying to be a reasonable foil for someone who believes strongly in these things but the more I get into this world feels like these are people that are addicted to some sort of drug and I I can't I can't until they want to get off it you know until they want to get clean i don't think i have any hope of convincing them of anything Mm -hmm. and um and the yeah i mean i just keep finding more people in my small circle of people that i'm connected with that believe in this stuff i think it's a huge i think it's a huge problem you're saying people you went to university people that i sat next to in electrical engineering classes believe in this People that I worked with that design medical devices believe in this. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, so what I was thinking, I think I've now convinced myself that there's a small number of people that lend some sort of credibility credibility to this. And they are the true snake oil salesmen that are, you know, have some sort of like their, appointments at universities or they are medical doctors licensed medical doctors in the u.s and they i think just see this potential for selling these conspiracy theories so they they write books and they have like conferences and they you know sell these various things maybe nutrients and stuff online uh that that they profit from by selling this you know, by explaining what's making you sick, making everybody sick, and how you can then, by buying their products, you can avoid getting sick yourself, or you can make yourself healthier, and all this stuff, right? And and I think then that draws in other people, some people that sound really credible in some ways. Like one guy, he's like a camera review guy that I came across. That I watch for like camera gear reviews, and he's talking about 
he like he's an electronics guy so he's actually built antennas and worked with radios and stuff like that and he t sounds very knowledgeable i believe that he actually knows a lot about electronics and radios and radio frequencies and and but then at some point he makes this leap to talking about you know it's like if you take they just slip in this thing like don't believe me check it for yourself but there's studies <laughs> out there that show if you take water and you put it in the microwave and then you give that water to plants it'll kill the plants like that's like he kind of uses that same like he says don't believe me look up in the textbooks this is how yeah. this works but as and soon as it goes into biology then they don't know what he doesn't know i'm sure about. he doesn't have a clue what's going on mm -hmm. there but you know no obviously no mechanism he doesn't talk about any mechanism for how it how the water changes such that it's just something about the way the plant communicates and grows something gets disrupted I don't know. It's I think it's societally a bigger problem than 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 we think. And um but I don't know if there's a way to address it. The last the but talking with you I think the idea I think the thing to do is to talk to someone who's tried to take this on before like your friend who what was her name? Mm -hmm. Layla. Layla. That tried to take on kind of the nutrition on the nutrition side and the anti-vaxxer side. She came up with what was the group side? Sci Moms, Moms is a science communication group that's kind of trying to be an evidence-based group that's kind of um, providing balance to like the Gwyneth Paltrow's and yeah, goop. whoever of the world who are like, well... As a mom, I just want everything to be natural. organic and natural for yeah. my child. And then um, Psy Moms is like, well, guess what? We're moms, too, and we <laughs> care about our kids, too. And we prefer evidence-based solutions and not yeah. magic. Yeah. So they do awesome stuff and write amazing articles. and Yeah. So the talking to her, well, what you were saying is that it sounded like she took on this <sighs> kind of task, but then has petered out. And what I've found is trying to connect. Well, with by the task, it was just talking to people a on movement. Facebook, like yeah. trying to. Yeah, but starting a thing to try to get people to see what what I think I felt in the last couple of days only and just trying to respond to a few of these things is, yeah, I it's it's hopeless. Like, I don't I don't think I have any I was hoping to sort of by not blocking these this person that's getting really pushy with this stuff is trying to be not l l leave him in his own little echo chamber and just get deeper and deeper into conspiracy theories but I kind of feel like it's too you yeah you might not be able to do anything about it yeah. but I need to talk to an expert that's what okay that's what I there you do. go all right, I think we're just about done, but I did see an article today from Global Mail that was hopeful, which is um, that the Canadian government has heard from 5,000 companies that are interested in helping them make things that are needed for healthcare, like surgical masks and face shields and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I was reading a different article about a company in Coquitlam, BC, that has been retooling to try and make surgical masks, and those are going to be starting soon. So things are ramping up. An order for 30,000 vents has been put in. That will. So mm -hmm. things are happening. It's a good sign. Slow. It's hard to, mm -hmm. I guess, retool a whole factory. 
sounded easy when they first started talking about it. Did we talk about the N96 masks? Months. The N96 masks. So, so Doug Ford, I think, came up with this idea to make our own like medical grade, like yeah, a little better than N95, N96 masks. Like he actually, I think they've started creating them. Like in, I think somewhere in maybe Cambridge or Waterloo or somewhere, they have a factory. They're cranking them out. So they're making. They uh, they got certified by Health Canada. Why not? Some something like that. What does the ninety five stand for? I assume percentage of particles. Particular. I don't know. I don't actually Mm -hmm. know. But I don't. It's kind of like the our amp goes to eleven. Like right. Who knows? (laughs) I don't think it does. It matter. They're making Uh, masks that should be just a little bit better. (laughs) Okay. Good. Yeah. What's that movie? Is Spinal Tap. Final tap. Right. I couldn't think of it. Okay. Is that all the important heavy things of the day? Uh, I was just going to talk about this article about parenting. Okay. Can I talk about the parenting thing? There's just an article about, I think just because our experience is somewhat the same, there's an article, the parents are not all right. (laughs) Uh, Anyone with young kids right now is, um, I think. Struggling. Struggling. Yep. Can you hear it in my voice, listeners? Today? <laughs> yeah, like this is really hard. That's one of the lines in here. They talk about how trying to get kids to do schoolwork is just futile. The kids are spending way longer on uh, s- in front of screens, not even counting if they're getting taught stuff th- from school on screens. Yeah, but we got Avery an app called Sego Mini School, <laughs> so now school is better. the iPad, it so feels we're better. good. Um, trying to get kids to do, I think in this article they say, like, just trying to get their kid, I think they have one kid, and they're trying to get him to do anything other than mm-hmm. go on, stay on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And anything is, like, that's oh. just not happening some days well that makes me feel a lot better because i thought it was just us yeah i thought it was just avery (laughs) that refuses today (laughs) tonight at bedtime it was like avery your teacher sent us this great book about an elephant it's something like try to mail and how do you mail an (laughs) elephant and it's like that sounds really fun we can read that book tomorrow and without missing a beat he's like no Mm -mm. i never want to read it yeah great yep exactly okay Exactly. So. They also say how hard it is to get kids to eat and how they're not going to sleep on time and everyone's just, things are getting worse, not better. Mm-hmm. Like people were sort of thinking it's like the third week of this and we're starting to get a handle <laughs> on it. But really, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Well. I wouldn't say that for us necessarily. No, I think we're getting better. But yeah. I think maybe our, so my strategy at the beginning was no strategy at all. I did not attempt any anything it was just survival uh-huh. sheer survival yeah for the first two or three weeks or however long this has been yeah and only this week have i attempted any kind of activities or scheduling or anything yeah and i'm just kind of building it in bit by bit yeah and so i feel it's like it's just do. manageable little bits yeah, it definitely felt like a lot of people, like a lot of the articles in the first week were like, here's how you set your schedule for your child yeah. and do this and then have See, this if you start there, of <laughs> course, now <laughs> like you're a in per- trouble. Like a perfect schedule that like mm-hmm. emulates what they can do in school. Right. Uh, and yeah. 
See, I started from the bottom. We started with let's keep them now alive. Here. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got up they to like still alive. we read a book today. Yeah. Hooray! Did some paper mache. Yeah, we've been paper macheing. Yeah. Things are happening. So that's all I had. All right. Well, then, to wrap it up, I don't have a joke, but I do have a very adorable provincial announcement that I'm sure everyone has heard of, which is that Doug Ford declared the Easter Bunny an essential service. Mm -hmm. And it was like all official, official proclamation. So the kids don't have to worry about not being able, not getting their chocolate this weekend. I mean, our kids should worry because we don't have any chocolate <laughs> <for them. laughs> but they don't know it's easter so we're okay right, right. yes exactly all right all right i think we're done good night good night <laughs>